You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks and welcome to episode 111 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host Bart Bouchot and this is the show for November 2022. I have a panel today that is small in number but high in quality. So uh, it's basically just me and Scott. So welcome back, Scott. Thank you. Well, as far as the high in quality part, you'll have to let the listeners be the judge of that. Well, I had a great time talking to you last month, so I don't care what the listeners think. (laughs) I enjoyed it. Well, I'm back, so apparently I enjoyed it too. There we go. There we go. It has been an interesting month of news since last we spoke. Um, On the one hand, not much happened. On the other hand, there's lots and lots of really long show notes. So uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of that. But anyway, let us get stuck in with some feedback and follow-ups. So we talked in detail a few times, and I just didn't want to do it as a main story again because I'm fed up of it. Uh, But Apple are still having some labor relations issues, particularly in the United States. So I'm just going to read out the headlines to set the scene, and then we can see if we have any opinions on it. So we have a shareholder motion has has already been submitted, and the meeting is until next year, uh, asking Apple to have some transparency reporting on their anti-union and uh, alleged slave labor stuff, so all union-rated issues. Uh, Bloomberg interviewed Apple retail workers to gauge their feelings, and uh, the shortest summary I come up with is they're not happy. They feel under pressure to upsell, which they never felt before, and one of the reasons they want to unionize is to try to get back to the old way of doing things. Meanwhile, in St. Louis, um, a the Apple store there wanted to join IAM, which is a union, and uh, then they didn't because they came under so much pressure from Apple management that they backed out, uh, which has caused a class action lawsuit to be considered now. And Apple together are asking for the various members of those stores to come forward with their stories to see if that is enough for a class action suit. Meanwhile, in um, Reston, Virginia, Apple continued to brief with anti-union sort of compulsory meetings, which just as a European makes my head explode. Um, And then in a story I couldn't quite find anywhere else to hang in the show notes, and it it really surprised me because I never would have thought of it, but Apple's remote work policy makes it hard for employees to avoid abortion bans in the post-Roe v. Wade uh, America, because if you have to work in a physical place, then you can't live in a place where you can have your entire gamut of healthcare. So, um, yeah, I, I just continue to be surprised as a foreigner looking in. Um, I, I don't know how you feel yeah. about it. I, yeah, it's, it's one of the, it, it's crazy. I, I, I could go on forever. <laughs> I, I think we have, it's a huge country, so I guess it's not to be unexpected, but, there are so there's so much divergence in opinion of what's right and wrong between different parts of the country and it does make it tough it makes it hard for people who live in certain places if those you know moral uh, beliefs are going to be codified into law and i already have strong feelings about apple's remote work policy as it is but this is just one more aspect of it that really it is problematic. Yeah, and it just never even occurred to me because, you know, 
when you live in a country like Ireland, the country is the country. There is no difference, you know, from top to bottom. Well, there is a slight difference from top to bottom because of Northern Ireland. But let's leave that aside. That's a different country, technically, at least for now. Um, yeah, it's really weird because a lot of the people that are most adamant about states' rights are also some of the biggest nationalists. Like, I don't understand it. It's contradictory to me. It makes no sense. But hey, whatever. As a foreigner looking in, the one that makes my head explode every time is that the most anti-abortion people are the most pro-death penalty people. Oh, yeah. They, Thou shalt we, not kill. What we, anyway. what, we, what we say here is uh, they're pro-life until you're born and then you're on your own. <laughs> and if you die early, you probably deserved it. Now, that's it's basically how it feels. It, it really does. I'm glad it's not just me as an outsider looking in who has some of these opinions. Um, I guess to tie it a little more to Apple, I I have had my misgivings about um, Deirdre O'Brien as head of Apple, effectively HR, even though she calls herself head of Apple people. But Apple has not been a place that their workers have loved in quite some time, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. No, they seem pretty rigid. You know, I I understand. I I have mixed feelings about the on-site thing because I work in a job where um, I need to be on-site a lot of times. I work on, I, even though I'm in a group that does software testing and roadmap development, I, I it's for semiconductor test equipment. And sometimes I have to have my hands on the tools. And me in specific, I, I definitely have to sometimes. So I get it. And there are times where just being on the equipment with some other person means learning so much more and or getting so much more done. It really does make a difference sometimes just being in place with another human being, looking each other in the eyes, working on the stuff, getting things done. But there are jobs where remote work is just as effective as not. And why limit the people that you can get by being inflexible about it. I think a one-size-fits-all policy just doesn't work. And yeah. yeah, and then, to be honest, I didn't even know that Apple had so many people in Texas, for example, which is what the thing about the abortion bans was primarily around. I think it, it was a Texas location that, yeah, Austin. Yeah, well, so they have a big presence there because they were incentivized down with tax incentives. And Austin mm-hmm. is, a, yeah. is a straight, like, Austin is a little island of liberals inside the state of Texas. It's a, it's an interesting place. So I'm not surprised it that if Apple is. and Texas, they're in Austin. But of course, right. the laws of Texas absolutely apply to Austin. Yeah, and Austin's weird. So like I've been to Austin for vendor training a few times, and it's kind of funny because Austin is definitely liberal by Texas standards. And yet, before Obama took office the first time, I remember overhearing a conversation in Austin at a restaurant of people saying that, they believed that Obama was the Antichrist. And they didn't mean metaphorically. They literally meant the biblical Antichrist. And that's that's the most liberal part of Texas. I guess. You know, so it's it's a it's an interesting Texas place. In Texas, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I spent some time in that neck of the woods once and I, I was very conflicted. Very conflicted because I met some of the sure. nicest people ever and some of the most terrifying yep. attitudes. Yes, yes. Absolutely, Often from the yeah. same people. <laughs> right? Which is amazing. Yeah. Anyway. Um we talked last month that Apple were beta testing a new interface for iCloud. 
And much to my surprise, like literally the week after we recorded, that went public. So that is now the interface for iCloud. So you have a nice sort of, do we call them tiles, I guess? Uh, and you can choose to lay them out how you wish. And it's it's really quite a snazzy new interface. Um, so particularly if you're working on a machine that isn't yours, it's really nice to be able to reach into iCloud through any web browser and get a decent interface and get access to your notes and, and all that kind of stuff. Particularly the notes app I often use through the web interface. Uh-oh, you're oh, freezing on me. Briefly disappeared, but now you seem to be back. That was... that was. Uh, that was I wonder fun. if it was my end. I just logged into iCloud.com. <laughs> <laughs> you think iCloud may have... Mm, I, I don't know. I, I've been inclined to blame Wi-Fi in my house because while I am now the owner of a nice mesh network, I haven't got around to installing it yet. So believe it or not, sitting in a box on my kitchen table does not make it work. Anyway, mm. that's, that's what Sundays are for. So that's a tomorrow problem. Uh, do you like what you see in the new iCloud interface? It does. It looks nice. I don't. It's kind of funny because I don't feel like it's something that I needed or you know hmm. will use all that much. But it does look nice. There are other software issues that I would love for Apple to address. You know more than I was sitting around waiting for that. But it does look good. So. Well, I use it a lot because in work I have a managed Apple ID, and a managed Apple ID uh-huh. can't be added as a share. To, your, to a folder on your personal notes app because it's a managed Apple ID. And so when mm-hmm. I want to access anything of my personal stuff from a work machine, I can't use the iCloud apps. So the only way is to say file new private window. And then when it insists on trying to log me in with the work Apple ID, say, no, 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 Safari. I really do want to use this other Apple ID in this private window. And then, and then I use a web interface and it's really nice that it works. That makes sense, yeah. Uh, we also talked a few times, I believe two months ago, about uh, crash detection having some edge cases. In that time, it was roller coasters were setting it off. Well, winter has come, and uh, people are strapping wooden planks to their feet and throwing themselves off mountains, which apparently can set off um, your crash detection as well on your iPhone. So there is reporting that there has been a spike in calls to 911 that when 911 call back, they find out that it's people skiing whose watches have phoned for them. Uh, what I thought mm-hmm. was interesting, quoted in the article, was a first responder saying, somebody could ski and hit a tree and be knocked unconscious and not be visible to other skiers. We do not want you to turn the feature off. We would rather have right. you be safe. We don't mind taking that call because if something really did happen, we want to be able to get to you. So that may have been lost in some of the coverage about it. You know, ooh, Apple's feature, it's broken, yada, yada, yada. Like, even the first responders don't want you to stop using it. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that's the difference between a roller coaster experience, which, by the way, uh, did happen to... Uh, so my co-host on Friends with Bruce, his co-host on another podcast, he did have the roller coaster incident in 911. His phone dialed 911 before he could get to it. And... Uh, but but that's the difference between that. Like you assume a roller coaster is not going to go off the tracks. You assume that the likelihood of somebody in an amusement park actually needing your help is lower. But for the skiing situation, yeah, it could absolutely be a thing because people hitting trees and or poles and falling down a snow well is a thing that definitely happens. Yeah, and, you know, you're literally in a powdery thing that wants to fall back over you. So it's fairly mm-hmm. easy to disappear from view in, in a snowy landscape. Yeah. Yep. Um, But in related news, Apple have released iOS 16.1.2 with crash detection improvements. So maybe, well, at the very least, we know Apple are working on the issue, which 
yeah. I guess that's sort of what you expect, right? Because it's an AI thing and it's a very fine line because you absolutely positively do not want to wear on the side of not calling for help. Because that, that would be a terrible headline, you know, you know, a bunch of people's phones didn't call for help. But on the other hand, you also don't want to be wasting too much time from the first responders. So it's a tough balancing act. I'm glad I don't work on that AI team because AI is hard. I was about to say, well, AI is hard. And as somebody who tests software for part of their job, I'm fine with being on the test case where you're on the roller coaster or you're skiing and you're not injured. I don't want to be on the other test case where you have to validate that it does work when you actually do have a car crash. One assumes Mythbuster like they have like, you know, some dolls and things that they throw down these mountains right. instead. Yeah. Sure. Apparently there was a there's a lab somewhere in LA where the neighbors were really worried because with like engine revving and smashing and banging noises while they were apparently testing uh, the crash detection. Maybe a slightly fun job. Uh, yeah, it could be. As long as you're not the guy in the box, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh moving on to our regulatory rundown. Um it's a, a a world-spanning month in terms of regulators, um, although I don't see an American flag now that I looked at my show notes. So we'll start uh, in the Antipodes, down in Australia. The uh, ACCC, or the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, are recommending major regulatory reform. They would like to see the government pass new regulations that would effectively hinder all of the major tech companies uh, they're looking to regulate app stores, search ads, and social media, which I think covers almost all of them. Meanwhile, in the United Kingdom, the uh, CMA, the Competition and Markets Authority, have officially launched an investigation into smartphone browsers because they say that the smartphone browser market is hampering competition because not all web technologies are implemented in, in WebKit. And you can't run a different rendering engine, so doesn't that cause problems, is what they're asking. So they're officially investigating that now. Meanwhile, our Brazilian friends have escalated their fight with Apple over not including their chargers. They seized phones off the shelves for not having their chargers in the box. So, okay. Brazil are very keen to waste all of that copper. Uh, meanwhile, Apple have said, uh, yeah, sorry about that, South Korea, that whole thing where we managed to charge our VAT on the wrong side of the 30% commission, so we actually ended up increasing the 30% commission by mistake. We're going to stop doing that. Good, do. Um, and then just to end on a happy note, back to the United Kingdom. Uh, the CMA had been investigating whether or not subscription music services were an issue. They have come to the conclusion, nope, that is a healthy market. Musicians are not being taken advantage of in the streaming music market. Which is not what I would have guessed the CMA would have arrived at as a conclusion. Which, Yeah, and I think it probably has to do with the fact that you're just looking at like album sales, music sales versus uh, streaming services. And artists routinely get ripped off already by the labels and they generally make their money from touring. So that's probably a low bar. Lower bar than it should be, let's say. And I guess the real question is whether or not there's competition. And I I get Mm -hmm. the conclusion is there is competition, therefore it's a healthy market, rather than, oh yeah, musicians are being treated really well. Because they're they're the competition of markets authority. They're not particularly interested in musician welfare. That's true, yeah. It's interesting though, if they can come to the conclusion that the music industry is fine, we shouldn't assume it's a foregone conclusion they'll be cranky with Safari. So, you know, something. I don't, I don't, I'll admit I'm not an economist, but I don't know, I don't get the economics of streaming services and artists getting paid what they feel like they're worth. They're, you know, it, I must not 
be multiplying high enough in my head because it just seems like it would be hard to do. But yeah, I guess the logic is there's enough of the streaming companies to have competition, but I I don't see them as being the bottleneck. I see the record labels sitting one step above as being where the bottleneck is, mm-hmm. and that doesn't seem like a healthy market to me. But that doesn't seem to be what's being litigated. And even, well, I guess the likes of Spotify aren't interested in litigating that there isn't enough competition. I suppose they are because they want Apple to be curtailed. It's a strange one. It does not feel like a healthy industry, even if Apple did come in and shake it up completely, you know, two decades ago. Yeah. Moving on to legal latest, uh, some of our biggest hits here. Apple v. Epic. They had oral arguments. They were the opposite of Epic. They were boring as all heck. Apple said, yeah, but actually this is a security thing, this whole walled garden. And Epic said, no, it isn't. And as far as I can tell, that's all that happened. So basically, they all said what we thought they'd say. End of story. It was the most low-key part of the whole Apple v. Epic saga I've yet seen. Can't say I was cranky. Um, meanwhile, in the massive global Apple v. Ericsson war, um, Columbia have lifted their ban on all 5G iPhones and iPads on appeal. So there was a preliminary injunction. The preliminary injunction has been lifted, but of course, the actual core court case has not resolved in any way. But at least Apple can continue to sell their phones while they're arguing about who owns 5G patents or whether Apple are paying Ericsson enough. Is it free? Was it franned? Fair, not free. A fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory. That's it, isn't it? I think. I think anyway. so, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, there's, a co- there's a company called AliveCore who are suing Apple over the heart sensors in Apple Watches. And a few months ago, Apple sued them back. Well, now Apple are doing uh, a double sue back because they have launched a second countersuit in that case to, quote, set the record straight. So they seem very, very keen to assert that they are using their own intellectual property for the Apple Watch's health features. And I sort of, I couldn't help but notice two other news stories this month that probably wouldn't have made the bar on their own, but they do definitely seem related. We have the Mayo Clinic highlighting that uh, the Apple Watch is actually really good at detecting a whole bunch of cardiac stuff that could go under the radar for years and cause you quite a bit of damage before it comes up from under the radar. And uh, another study found that the AirPods are almost as good as hearing aids, like proper, really, really, really expensive hearing aids. So Apple's wearables (laughs) and health, that's a big thing. Meanwhile, Apple and a company called Pin have settled their lawsuit over charging cases for AirPods literally on the evening before the trial. So, you know, courtroom steps, sort of a settlement thing. I had never particularly heard of pain, and this case hadn't really reached high on my radar. But hey, settlement is good. Problem solved. Uh, Scott, are you due a tiny amount of money because you're an iCloud customer? You may be, because you're in America. Wow. So there was a class action suit that uh, a, a settlement was agreed last March, and the payments have started to come to people in the class. And people are getting emails saying, you, congratulations, here's your share of the settlement. And it's like less than a dollar. So, wow. You know, is that even enough for the sugar cube to go into your coffee? It's probably not going to pay for the M1 Pro MacBook Pro I just bought. No, actually, I just I just bought one and had to send it straight back to Apple the day it arrived because it wouldn't charge. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Kind of annoying because it's like, yay, shiny new. Oh, no shiny new. 
Um, but apparently the second shiny new is coming on Tuesday. So fingers crossed. It's also, it's not actually for me, it's for my darling beloved. So there was much rejoicing followed by much crankiness. And then Apple got, yeah. um, Apple yeah. really made us jump through hoops because I bought it, but it wasn't on my Apple ID. Apple does not understand that families are a thing. They just don't. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Basically, we ended up having to do it on the day I was working from home just so that we could both be honest, call to bloody Apple support. It's like, you just take it back. Give us a new one. Anyway, it's, it's, it's on its way. So we're, we're golden in the end. Finally, there is another settlement. So maybe this will buy a full cup of coffee for people. Not entirely sure. Um, Actually, no, this might just buy a cup of coffee. Uh, so the court have approved a $15 million settlement over the butterfly keyboards uh, in the United States again. And uh, if you had an actual problem with your butterfly keyboard, you could be entitled to up to $395, which is actually quite a lot of coffee. It is. So that that is actually a class action that seems worthy of being there unless, you know, Mostly this is about the lawyers, but this one actually seems like it's yeah. genuine compensation. And yeah, I, I never I never suffered from the broken butterfly keyboard, and I really liked the very low travel on them. But I have seen the level of frustration with people whose keyboard just suddenly decides to have a phantom E or to have an E that doesn't want to be an E, or it's like very little more infuriating than when you type the letters not appearing. Uh, moving on to HR and acquisition news. Um, key staff driving Apple's search engine leave to rejoin Google. We are talking about the founders of a company called Laserlike. They basically it was uh, Anada uh, Shukla. Um, oh, I should always try to phonetically pronounce these names before I start recording the show. Uh, Srinivasan Venkatar. Oh dear, Venkatari. I'm going to say wrongly. And Stephen Baker, which I think I'm right on that one. Um, they both left, all three of them left Google to form Laserlike in 2015. And then Apple bought the company in 2018. So they've been Apple employees since. And even when Apple made that acquisition, everyone was hoping that search would stop sucking in Apple's products. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen much sign of search stopping sucking in Apple products. No. And it would appear that these three uh, search experts have gotten frustrated with the Apple ecosystem, and they've sorted off back to Google where they came from. Meanwhile, uh, another Apple executive, uh, John Stauffer, has been poached by Roblox. Uh, but it's not all exit. We have Apple have poached a Facebook exec to lead their information systems department. That will be Timothy Compos. So, okay. four out, well, one since, in. Since he's an IS guy, I, I'll give him some slack. But otherwise, you know... He probably had nothing to do with the actual product itself. But I I just want to say that getting people from Apple, the other people are winning. Getting people from Apple is something that I would probably think would be better than getting somebody from Facebook. But again, he's an IS guy, so he's probably not one of the terrible Facebook people. Yeah, I wouldn't want their ad people or their the people who decide on their flawed, flawed business model. But at a technical level, Facebook is reliable. It is, yeah. It is, yes, yes, yes. Uh, this Roblox one is interesting, though. That's quite a shift. It, it's an interesting shift to go from a place like Apple to, I mean, Roblox is a fun company, but they're a minnow compared to Apple. Yeah. 
Because normally people go to like something really big or a startup, but Roblox is sort of in the middle. Um, Apple services and original content highlights. Uh, Apple TV Plus. Apple have really gone all in on soccer this month. Um, the big announcement was the their MLS, Major League Soccer. Uh, their season pass will arrive in February. You can either pay monthly throughout the season, or you so that will be fourteen ninety nine if you pay monthly, or you can buy the entire season for ninety nine dollars. Meanwhile, it has been the World Cup, or it still is, in fact, the World Cup. But since the Belgians are out and the Irish were never even in, I've sort of lost all interest. That and the you know killing of workers and homophobia and you know destroying the environment to host the World Cup in the middle of a desert. I've had a few reasons not to care, but. Belgium are out, so I care even less. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. The World Cup is a thing. Apple launched a podcast uh, with one of the hosts being an NBC sports reporter, Rebecca Lowe. The other host being Coach Beard from Ted Lasso, or Brendan Hunt, as he's actually called, which sounds like a fun idea. He may actually be the one on the writing team who know about soccer, because clearly someone on the Ted Lasso team knows about soccer. Uh, that might be who. Yeah. Gotta find that now. At least give it a listen. Hmm. But that's an interesting idea. You know, if I cared about football, I definitely would. Um, meanwhile, if you're driving along the roads in America, you may see Ted Lasso, as in the character Ted Lasso, on a giant big billboard encouraging the US men's soccer team to do well in the World Cup, which is a fun way for Apple to publicize Apple TV Plus and to remind everyone that there's another series of Ted Lasso on the way. Uh, a weird, weird thing. Last month we had DVDs being released of Apple TV Plus shows. Well, the soundtrack for Severance is being released on vinyl. That is... That makes me very confused. Maybe if I'd watched the show that would make sense. I don't know if that's... I was going to say, I, I have watched... I am a watcher and I think that it it's uh, it fits. I think it's it fits. Pretty, okay. pretty cool. Yeah. It also looks like I've seen a, like it's it's a very pretty box set that goes with the vinyl. Yeah. It looks amazing, actually. I was pretty sure it was going to be some sort of logic to it because it has a real collector's item feel. Uh huh. Yeah the it's the show is interesting because some of the technologies that they hint at or that they have are super advanced, but the computers they use and the technology that they the personal technology that they have is like really retro. So it's this weird, crazy combination, but vinyl absolutely fits into that aesthetic. So not quite steampunk, sort of 80s punk or something? <laughs> exactly, yes. It, yeah, 80s or 90s punk, yeah. Yeah, probably 80s. Excellent. Um, I don't go on about every award Apple win these days because they get nominated and they win quite a few of them, but uh, the British seem very keen on Apple at the moment, so... Apple TV Plus was nominated for nine Royal Television Awards uh, for Slow Horses, Bad Sisters, The Essex Serpent, Trying and Prehistoric Planet, which are all distinctly British flavoured shows now that I look at that list. They uh, are, so. and I have only seen the first two, Slow Horses and Bad Sisters, and they were excellent. I've only seen the last one because it had Sir David Attenborough in it, and that is astonishing. Um, the CG is so good that the video quality on the made-up him telling us about the prehistoric world has better video quality than his early actual documentary series shot with actual cameras on actual planet Earth. It, that series <laughs> is astounding. 
Meanwhile, Apple have won its first BAFTA Children and Young People's Awards. Uh, El Defo, Wolfwalker's Lovely Little Farm, and Here We Are, Notes for Living on Planet Earth were the winners there. And with its Irish connection, I just want to say, if anyone hasn't watched Wolfwalker's, it, yes, it is for kids, but it's one of those, like old Disney stuff, it's actually for everyone. There are no kids in this house, it's just myself and the hubby. The two of us watch it because Wolfwalkers is set in, in ancient Ireland and the studio is an Irish studio and they had done a previous one called The Book of Kells, which is an amazing animated film. So we watched Wolfwalkers, even though it's technically a kid's movie. It is superb. It has so much heart and has such a fun animation style. It's it's weird. Like geometry in that universe is wrong, but it's a beautiful, it's, <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's, it's hard to explain, that. but the background is basically always pointing up. So when like when they're near the city, the city is like the background. It's like a map of the city is vertically the background to show you they're near the city. It's weird, but it's it's really beautiful. And the music, it's it, no, I'm really impressed with it. So I'm really happy to see that get an award. Uh, if you're an, an enthusiast for Apple Fitness Plus, the Time to Walk series has got an extra edition. You can now have uh, Chaka Khan talk you through your walk. No idea what. The conversation will be, but you can enjoy. Do you know, as a foreigner, I don't even know who Chaka Khan is, if I'm completely honest. Mm. Any idea? It goes back a long way. Yeah, I remember Chaka Khan, but I don't. But that that was in like the mid 80s, I believe. Mid 80s? Oh, yeah. good. Then it's not my fault because I, I, was, I was born in 1980, so I can pretend to be too young to know. Um, What else have we got then, finally? Um... Apple Pay is arriving in South Korea. It is nice to see Apple Pay continue to make its way around the world. And then Apple Music have revamped their uh, sort of thing where you can listen back to your top stuff from 2022. So it's now got like fancy pants animation and stuff. And they have also released a top 100 of just what everybody was listening to. So you can look back at what you were listening to and what everybody was listening to. And what surprises me a lot is that Bieber is... In the top 100 songs, I didn't know he was still a thing, but I guess there's a lot of nostalgia on planet Earth. And again, this is the guy who listens to Creedence Clearwater Revival, so oh, nice. Yeah, I honestly, I couldn't begin to tell you if Bieber is still popular with young kids or not. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. He's been off my radar for a while, presumably because yeah. he hasn't done anything stupid like crash a Lamborghini into something. But yeah, anyway, interesting. So you can have a look at what everyone is listening to and probably more interestingly, what you have been listening to over the last year, assuming you listen to music at all. That takes us on to our main stories. Uh, I use the term loosely, to be honest. Um, We have three of them. I've I've roughly categorised as being the biggest stories. The first one is COVID in China. Wow, what a month. Uh, the second one then is uh, Elon has decided to go and ruin my month by wedging himself into my bailiwick where I now have to talk about the bloody idiot. Uh, and then Apple have delivered on some of the stuff they promised us back in September because I just wanted something to cheer me up after those two stories. So there are our three main stories. Diving into main story number the first. So we have been tracking the fact that COVID in China hasn't been on the trajectory it's been everywhere else. 
largely because they haven't vaccinated a lot of their population and those they have vaccinated, they have done it with their own vaccines, which are definitely inferior to the mRNA stuff that we are enjoying in the Western world. And they're also pursuing a zero COVID policy. So when they find a COVID case, which with Omicron is like they spread like wildfire, they lock the place down and cause a heck of a lot of disruption. So last month we were just saying, oh, you know, a lot of disruption, closed route production, very annoying. But it went up a level this month. So I'm just going to read through the headlines to give you a feeling of how this month went in China. So literally, I think it, if it wasn't the day after we recorded, it was within two days after we recorded last time, Apple actually released a statement to investors to basically say uh, something bad has happened. This is going to affect our earnings. They basically said iPhone 14 Pro production is badly impacted by COVID in China, which is a big deal when Apple have to tell shareholders that. Uh, meanwhile, Foxconn, still under COVID-19 lockdown, expects revenue shortfall. Foxconn to quadruple iPhone factory workforce in India. China asks retired military to fill posts in Foxconn's iPhone factory. Foxconn needs 100,000 more workers in Shenzhou iPhone plant. Foxconn, Foxconn pauses their hiring spree because they don't have enough room to quarantine everyone. Apple's entire iPhone 14 Pro production line has historic long wait. Sorry, iPhone Pro product line has historically long waiting times. Uh, and Apple say it's too late to get an iPhone 14 Pro online before Christmas, and that headline was from two weeks ago. Violent protests over COVID-19 controls and pay erupt at the world's largest iPhone plant. Now, we've just had in China what is described as protests and or riots, depending on who you listen to. The answer was not lock everyone up, because this was so bad, the answer was Foxconn apologises to rioters Apple is on the scene, is how um, Apple Insider put it. Or um, Mark Observer put it slightly differently. Foxconn offers to pay workers who want to leave, apologizes for technical errors, which is how they explained not paying the workers the bonuses they'd promised. Uh, And then Apple Insider's take is Foxconn paid 20,000 rioting workers to leave. Yikes. Meanwhile iPhone 14 Pro production down by 6 million after Foxconn protests. And uh, Ming-Chi Kuo is predicting that... Oh no, sorry, then we have iPhone 14 Pro availability improves despite assembler riots. That story was weird. Just completely stood out from everything else. Struggling for workers, Foxconn is giving ex-workers incentives to rejoin. Apple's iPhone production, oh, I've just said that one, produced by 6 million, and Ming-Chi Kuo puts a different number on it. iPhone 14 could drop by 20 million in Q4, is what Kuo is predicting. gap in estimates there. Well, is it, so is it that we've lost 6 million already, and then Ming-Chi Kuo is saying, yeah, by the time this is done, we'll have lost 20? Is that the explanation? Yeah, that could be. Oh, yeah, for total Q4, yeah, that could be, sure. Meanwhile, it's not just in iPhone factories. Uh, Civil disobedience broke out basically across the whole of China because of frustration with all of these various COVID-19 restrictions. And then strangely, completely not unrelated, definitely, China lifts lockdown on Foxconn iPhone plant in Zhengzhou. So this is so bad, Apple have had to tell shareholders, this is so bad that the answer to rioters in China is not to lock them up because there were so many of them, but to uh, give them what they wanted and apologize. 
and there are actual public protests by civilians in China all over the country where the penalty for saying naughty things about the government is 10 years in prison. Wow. What a month. Yeah, that that part about the rioters not facing the consequences that you can imagine happening in China is really interesting to me because long term, I can't imagine the Chinese government wanting that to be sticking in people's minds as a possibility. Uh, I don't think they want an object lesson of, you know what, you can riot here and get away with it. Yeah, but the Chinese Communist Party is very interesting because they, it is one party rule, but they know that they need to keep the people on side enough not to be motivated to riot. So they often do very populist things and they're very good at keeping their finger on the pulse. So like watching the nuances of the Chinese government, I've listened to a couple of podcasts where Chinese expats try to explain the complexities of the Chinese Communist Party. And it's so much more nuanced than my naive Western mind ever considered. Um, I now know how much I don't know as opposed to understanding what the heck is going on. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess I guess my uninformed impression has been that what they tend to do is make uh, people feel like they have more freedom than they do as opposed to, but in a positive way, like the companies that are investing in technology and developing technology and all that, they they get to do a lot of fun stuff in China right now, but it's really stuff that benefits the Chinese government as a whole, you know, the economy as a whole. It's for the country. And, you know, to me it seems like, well, if they ever started doing something that didn't benefit the country, they'd immediately feel the, the clamp down. But that's not anybody doing anything negative per se. That's being given leeway to do things that benefit the country. So, uh, you know, this one did surprise me a little bit. You're right. They they need people that are going to work in these factories to continue to have China be the place where this stuff happens. But it still surprised me a little bit. It's a difficult... To put myself in the shoes of a totalitarian state, which is not something I find easy to do, but it's a different, it's a difficult balancing act between making sure that people are at least, you know, don't get too cranky and making mm-hmm. sure you don't send the message of, yeah, it's fine to riot. Uh, that's, a, that's a difficult balancing act in this, this situation. Yeah. I, I, there's this Chinese proverb that just keeps leaping to mind. You may you live in interesting times. And of course, most people don't know there's a second paragraph that's even worse. And to come to the attention of important people. Ooh, yeah, you don't <laughs> want that. It's yeah, it's like it's bad enough as the the bit we all know, but the second paragraph is like, and the knife is twisted. It's horrible. Anyway, I yeah, I don't really know what more to say apart from the fact that clearly this is a really big deal, and this is going to hit Apple's bottom line really quite substantially in the next earnings call. But on the grand scheme of things, that doesn't seem nearly as important as the actual effect on Chinese people and China as a whole. And I'm not qualified to talk about the latter. Yeah, it's kind of a weird situation because if they if they were having COVID lockdowns, assuming that those lockdowns were at all justified, then you have riots going on, which is never going to be a positive step in COVID prevention, I wouldn't think. <laughs> well, right. And, yeah. Although it is outside, so arguably the transmission yeah, is too yeah. great. But 
Oh, I saw a study recently uh, about Omicron that was showing how uh, I think it was in England. Anyway, there was this case where they were showing spreading and and outdoor even outdoors that was spreading pretty effectively in some cases. Um, uh, anyway, whatever. If you're shouting but, and uh, yeah, expelling a lot of droplets. Yeah, yeah. Or, Which does yeah, go hand in hand with rioting. Right, exactly. And the other thing about this that kind of bothered me is that apparently, uh, I don't have the sources with me, but it was, you know, normal tech sites. But apparently Apple did limit share play capability in China, which kind of played against the hands of protesters being able to share information with each other. Not share play, sorry. Airdrop. Um, airdrop. 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 Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, they yes. limited it to so... You know the way you have the, I think the default setting is allow anyone to airdrop, which is actually problematic in general. We we had uh, in the United States, we recently had a flight l- return to the airport when someone sent threatening messages showing crashing airplanes. And we've had obviously, you know, nasty pornographic images sent to unwitting people on mm-hmm. subways and stuff. It has actually caused a lot of trouble. And But yeah, one of the iOS updates this month change the default setting from anyone can airdrop to only my contacts. And if you switch it to anyone, it would only say switch for 10 minutes and then it would flip back to only my contacts. Now, Apple have said that that feature is coming to everyone, but it's still highly suspicious it came to China in the middle of a riot first. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. If it comes, you know, you are right if it comes to everyone, it's actually a good thing because you're right. It's a dumb setting to have by default. It's definitely a dumb setting to leave on permanently. But yeah, why China? Why now? Why first? It doesn't, even if it's a totally innocent thing, nobody's ever going to believe it. Yeah. No, I do want the setting. So I want Apple to hurry up and roll it out to me because yeah, again, I have my two Apple IDs, my managed Apple ID and my personal Apple ID. And th- that only with contact sync doesn't work reliably for me. So I'm forever setting myself to all, to everyone so that I can airdrop myself. It would be so <laughs> convenient if I could just set it and forget it, you know, to be gone in 10 minutes. Yeah. So I yeah, actually yeah. want this. Yeah. No, it's a, yeah, I don't understand the people who leave them on whoever permanently. If you live, in the, if you live out in the middle of nowhere with no other Apple users, I guess it's fine. But no, it's just asking for trouble. Right, well, I'm going to move us on to main story number two. Elon Musk has gone and waded into Apple land, and I was really quite happy ignoring having to talk about Elon. But uh, no, no, he went and barged in. He basically started a Twitter war where he was very, very cranky. He said that Apple had pulled their advertising and that the choice of a company to freely not advertise is something to do with free speech. Don't understand the logic there. Doesn't compute. Well, uh, Elon doesn't understand right? free speech anyway, I don't think. Well, he thinks it means him. So Elon's yeah. definition of free speech is I get to say what I want and no one else gets to say anything I don't want them to. Right. His view of the world is that it revolves around him and that explains everything. I'm being very cynical. Apologies. But he should have a thick enough skin to take it. But as Kara Swisher likes to point out, a lot of these billionaires are very big crybabies. And Elon definitely falls in that category. So he was cranky that Apple pulled their advertising, apparently. Then he was oh, he was cranky then about the hidden, sorry, secret 30% mm-hmm. tax. <laughs> no apparently one just about. noticed. Yeah, no one, yeah. you know, it's not a major story with giant big court cases with <laughs> Epic Games, you know, none of that. No, no, no. Elon just discovered a secret tax. 
And apparently Apple were threatening to withdraw his app from the store. Now, given Apple's rules on moderation and what happened to Parler and stuff, I imagine they probably should be. But uh, that's not really how it went down. Now, uh, there was some very fun reporting. I, I don't often quote other people, but I really want to quote Kara Swisher here. Uh, so the first half of the week was basically Elon having a go at Apple. And then in the second half of the week, the other shoe dropped. But between the two shoes dropping, we had a lot of commentary. And Kara Swisher definitely gets some sort of prize. So front-loading a fight with Tim Cook with specious nonsense isn't going to work. Why? For one, he's not a maniac or a manic toddler hopped up on Twinkies and weaponry cosplay. Plus, no no advertisers like to spend their money, their marketing money, in in a thunderdome of toxic acidinity. Which is a wonderful new word. I, I love the word acidinity. Toxic acidinity. Um, and then the Washington Post put some numbers on this for us to understand. So in the first quarter, Apple was the top advertiser on Twitter, spending $48 million on ads on the social network, which is amazing. So that's 4% of Twitter's revenue that quarter came from Apple. And it's mainly, I think, paid hashtags when they do a product launch. So that yeah. puts that into context. So what a fight to go pick, right? So you have a company who is your customer and you literally pick a fight with the company that is your customer. Genius, Elon. Genius. It's such a Donald Trump thing to do too. Instead of instead of talking to Tim Cook, who famously, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to realize that Tim Cook's never been one to engage in policy decisions and policy conversations on Twitter. Right. And then... You pick a fight with the guy. It's such a literally like I honestly when I read some of Elon Musk's tweets, which I try not to do and been using well, Twitter even less, too. but yeah. they're very Donald Trump like they're very Donald Trump like some of them. You could interchange them and say, who wrote this, Elon Musk or Donald Trump? And I'd be hard pressed to tell the difference. But yeah, I don't. It just does. What did he think he was going to accomplish with that? That why not just go talk to the company and say, hey, and first, you know, that's. The business part of it. The other part of it is what does advertising have to do with free speech and why does he think that because they're advertising less that they hate free speech? I don't. The guy, I don't know how he's been so successful in his life. I don't know. Well, I have a theory, which is that Elon is good at things and he's terrible at human beings. And Twitter is human beings all the way down, whereas rockets Mm -hmm. and electric cars are things. Mm-hmm. And even PayPal was things, right? It's basically engineering the financial system so that it works. That's, you know, I mean, he has said in interviews that he's neuroatypical. And yeah. he seems to be able to solve complexity, to see roots through complexity of a technical nature. He seems utterly incapable of comprehending human beings. And Twitter is a forum where you need human beings to feel comfortable and you need advertisers to feel comfortable. And they're also made of companies full of human beings. You need moderators who are human beings. You have staff who are human beings. It's just humans everywhere. And as <laughs> Neil Patel put it, Twitter's product is moderation. It mm-hmm. has to be a place where people want to be. And the only way it is that is to have sane governance of the place. And does not compute with Mr. Musk. No. Doesn't get it. And it's terrifying to watch. 
and depressing. It really is. It, yeah, it really is surprising. I wasn't optimistic about it when he took over Twitter, but I was a little bit surprised at just how fast he went off the rails. It was instant. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have high hopes, but I thought, you know, a year or two from now, things will be bad. Not a week or two from now, things will be bad. Mm-hmm. I, I was very shocked. But anyway, mm-hmm. we only got halfway through this story, so Elon threw his rattle very hard out of the pram. The second half of the week then arrived, and it turns out that actually Apple hadn't stopped spending their money at all. Then Elon admitted that Apple actually hadn't threatened to remove his app after all. And then Elon went and visited Tim Cook and had a chat and got a tour around Apple campus, and now they seem to like each other. So why couldn't he have skipped straight to step three there and just gone and talked to Tim Cook? He would have been happy to show around Apple campus, probably happier before he'd done all that ranting. So yeah, I feel like Tim Cook probably wondered that too. Right, now the thing is, Elon should be cranky, or not cranky with Apple, but Elon does have an Apple problem. Because, probably because he's going to have very little choice, but even before he made the advertisers cranky, he actually was planning on shifting the revenue model for Twitter towards subscriptions. Mm -hmm. And most Twitter users are on mobile devices, be it Apple's or Google's which means that those subscription payments would be most easily made through in-app purchase, which means Google slash Apple will take a percentage of those payments, depending on whether it's the first year of the subscription or not, and depending on whether or not Twitter is making more than a million dollars a year. Not the way um, Elon is going. He may actually get the cheap rate. But that's a problem. If you your advertisers you're driving away and you're going to have a 30% tax as he would see mm-hmm. it on your alternative revenue which i'm not entirely sure exists anyway because people on the internet don't like spending money that's why we have ad driven industries i wish it were not true because i would much rather pay for more things with money instead of privacy but so far the universe hasn't been on my side on that yeah, I think that that alone is an interesting topic because I really think that as much as a lot of advertising is obviously distasteful and as, and as much as we know the technical issues of some of the ad networks, like not only are they annoying, but there's malware being pushed through them and they're just not, they're just not good. People aren't taking care to – if you're going to advertise, that's fine, but have some care for the product that you're putting out there anyway, but they don't. It's all about getting stuff in front of the eyeballs. But – even beyond that, I'm I'm starting to think that the advertising industry in general has been a lot worse for humanity than I thought. And I think a lot of it's more recent. Maybe it's a logarithmic curve instead of a a linear thing. But um yeah, it's it that alone is an interesting topic. But well, it is the subscription because, sorry, go ahead. Well I was say ads there's ads and there's ads. Right. <clears throat> right. You know, 50 years ago, you advertised based on where your ad was going to appear. So you would mm-hmm. choose a newspaper where you thought the people you wanted to advertise that would be reading. You would choose a television channel. You would choose a radio station. You would advertise within a specific television program. And so you were picking your customer or your target audience by where you advertise. So there was a zero breach of privacy going on. And the better, the more popular shows cost more to advertise on. And that's how the business model worked. And then DoubleClick, who were then bought by Google, 
basically decided, well, what if we spy on everyone, build up massive dossiers that would make the FBI jealous, and then sell ads to the person? So the advertiser wouldn't want to, wouldn't need to figure out where do you know forty year old white guys from Ireland like to hang out? They would just go and pay Google slash Facebook or whatever to advertise at all the forty year old white guys in Ireland. And that is why they are so incentivized to invade all of our privacy, because then they can target the ads at us by profiling us instead of by profiling the places the ad will appear. And the research is that it's not that much better than the old style of advertising. Right. But it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy that you have to do it this way, because the large companies are so invested in it that it's, it would be just heresy to, to to suggest that the model that Google and Facebook have built their entire industry on is actually flawed. And I'm pretty sure it is actually flawed. Yeah, and I think the advertising industry has had an attitude inst- instilled in it now because of that to where they think that they have the right to do whatever they mm. have they want to do to advertise and they they become righteously indignant when people want to block ads. And the reason I block ads isn't because I'm against advertising. It's because either their ads render my device useless or mm-hmm. I'm just worried about malware in general getting on. And it's not an, it's not an insane concept. It has happened. So yeah, deliver, deliver me ads in a way that don't destroy my device and suck up all the battery and aren't dangerous to me and I'll have no problems with your ads, but they're not even willing to go that far. They're so adamant that whatever they want to give us, we have to take. That's, mm-hmm. that's definitely an industry that's, that's, uh, you know, prime for invading people's privacy because they just don't care at all about the people that they're advertising to. Or worse still, they feel they have a right to do it. And the only reason mm-hmm. it never worked is because of an accident of how cookies happen to be invented. The fact that they could spy on us across the internet was a side effect, not a, that was the bug, not a feature. And they're so used to it now that they think that just a simple thing of app tracking transparency, which is just saying, uh, do you mind if we track you? That was mm-hmm. like this Armageddon and how dare Apple and this is anti-competitive. And literally, there yeah. was always this fiction. Oh, no, no, we have consent. I mean, if you read if you read the privacy policy everyone agrees to by setting up their account, it says here in this tiny little, tiny, tiny, small print on the bottom of page 50. So we have consent. And then Apple are like, yeah, actually, how's about you get actual informed consent? And they're like, oh, my God, the world is ending. Wait a second. If your business model wasn't built on being deceptive and evil, just being told, by the way, would you like to give your informed consent should have zero effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Strangely enough, that's not how it worked out. The business model was built on basically a not a, basically an agreed lie. We say we have consent, but we know we don't. And the proof we know we don't is because as soon as someone actually makes us get actual consent, the whole thing collapses, and we lose ten billion dollars. If you're Elon, or if you're not Elon Musk or the other idiot um, Zuckerberg, who's not an idiot, who's very very intelligent, and anyway, very 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 different kettle of fish to Elon. Yeah. Yep. Okay, right. Hopefully Elon stays out of my apple pie. Ooh, I'd love some apple pie. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Elon stays out of my apple news from now on. Anyway, moving on to main story number three to cleanse our proverbial palates here. So on the September event, Apple promised us there will be some shiny fun coming later down the road. And one of the shiny fun things they promised us was SOS via satellite. And that is now live in the US and Canada. 
And mm-hmm. we now know that Globestar are the company providing it. And we also know that Apple invested $450 million in building out Globestar's infrastructure, which is kind of impressive. What we didn't know until Apple told us so this month is that we here in the British Isles, so the United Kingdom and Ireland, we get to play in December. So that's like very soon. So I am looking forward to this. Uh, the other thing we didn't know, but there's a demo mode where you can practice how to do it so that if you are ever caught, so if you are actually going to be in a place away from cell signal, you should do the demo, do the practice so that in the unlikely event that you need this to save your life or someone else's life, it won't be a learning curve. You'll already know what to do. And I have watched a whole bunch of walkthroughs. It actually appears to be a really human-friendly, intuitive interface to help you find and lock onto the satellite and get your message sent. So by all accounts, this is looking really good. And I'm not at all surprised, but we already have a story of a man in Alaska being saved by emergency SOS via satellite. Hmm. So I think it'd look like days for that to happen, which just shows you how important these features are. And then, yeah, this is really cool. Yeah. And I, I have to say, when me, was it Ming Chi Kuo? One of them had has been predicting this for ages. I think it was Ming Chi Kuo after he'd given up on his Apple Television television. And I remember thinking this was the most ludicrous thing I'd ever heard. But no, Apple have put satellite communication into our pocket telephones. Wow. Yeah, and it. You know, I, um, a lot of people, when they were talking about this at the keynote, a lot of people's takeaway was, oh, Apple's selling fear. You know, they want people to be afraid that they're going to die without an Apple product in their pocket. But no, it's the opposite, right? It's it's not fear they're selling. They're selling safety blanket. Right. I, I don't see how having this is a negative. Hopefully most people will never need it. But, uh, I, I can, you know, I cycle with an Apple mm-hmm. watch and. Yeah. It is a comfort to me. I'm not less likely to cycle or more likely to cycle or more likely to have a crash or less likely to have a crash. You know, I would be on the bike and I may or may not be involved in an accident. Well, having already been hit, been involved in one hit and run. Um, and I can tell you it does work, by the way. Um, when I was in the hit and run, my watch did indeed ask me, are you OK? Um, well. But it, I feel better having my watch on when I'm cycling. My hobby feels a lot better knowing I have my watch on while I'm cycling. Yeah. And if I were to be regularly out of cell coverage, which I happen not to be, but I would feel a heck and lot better about it. And frankly, if I go hiking in the summer up the mountains, I will feel a heck and lot better about it knowing that I can phone for help if something horrible happens. Yeah. And it's it's not fear. It it really is the inverse of fear. They're they're selling a safety blankie, and I like my safety blankies. Thank you, Apple. Now I have no interest in diving because I I have had I have a respiratory issue. To me, breathing is something important, and the thought of being underwater terrifies me. So I'm not going to be a diver. But if you're into the whole diving thing. The other cool feature that was promised was that you could use your Apple Watch Ultra as a dive computer with the help of a third-party app called Oceanic Plus, which is being made by people who know what the heck they're doing about diving, by the way. Probably a good thing. That has now also been released. And uh, there is also a hands-on blog post from the guys over at Apple Insider linked in the show notes. So if you're into diving and you like 
your Apple Watch, you can now use it to help you in that. Um, I did buy the Oceanic Band because it rains a lot in Ireland and I wanted a comfy waterproof band and I adore my Oceanic Band, but I do not have an Apple Watch Pro and I do not have any interest in diving, but I do like the band. I'm guessing you're not a diver either. No, I am not a diver. I do know people who are divers, though. Um, I don't know if they're into these Apple products or not, but no, this is something that seems pretty cool. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are into diving and having something like this on their wrist can definitely work for those people. So it's cool. I mean, again, this is the type of functionality that not everybody's going to use, but some people are going to use. And for those people, it's going to be super nice to have. So I don't see any downsides here at all. Yeah. And it's a good way to illustrate quite how solid and robust this watch is. Like this is a proper Mm -hmm. sport watch. And most people are going to buy it because it's a bit like most Range Rovers don't actually need to ever go up a mountain. Most Apple Watch Ultras are not going to need to be Ultra. But it is still nice to know that you have one that could do that. It is, yeah. A bit like a Swiss Army knife. Do we really need one? But do we have one? You know? Anyway. All right, let's wrap up the show with a few quick stories that uh, I didn't think were big enough to to warrant going into a main story, but are worth mentioning nonetheless. Um, Apple continue to partner with more companies. It's definitely a feature of Tim Cook's Apple to do partnerships. So Apple and PayPal are going to be playing nice together. PayPal are joining the Tap to Pay party. And they are finally adding their credit cards to Apple Wallet, which is definitely going to be nice. Uh, As an owner of such a credit card, I believe it's only US at the moment, so I can't yet play. But I'm looking forward to being able to put my PayPal credit card into my wallet. That will be nice. Meanwhile, if you're a Microsoft customer, or you're about to become a Microsoft customer, if you buy an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, you can get three months of Apple TV Plus and Apple Music for free, which is kind of nice and a good way for Apple to uh, pimp their services. Uh, If you're on the hunt for some new apps, maybe you want to buy something nice for your family for Christmas, or maybe just, you know, you got some gift vouchers or something and you want to buy something nice, Apple have released their App Store Awards. So they give us the best apps in various categories, the best games in various categories. And quite interestingly, one of the categories is Chinese game. Uh, Because of the very strict rules in China, an awful lot of games can't be played in China. So they seem to have had to invent a whole other category. Otherwise, none of the winners would actually be available to their Chinese users, which is interesting Mm. in a whole different way. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to become a future winner of one of these awards... Apple are making it a teeny tiny bit easier. The Today at Apple sessions have expanded to include a new coding lab for kids, which kicks off uh, this Tuesday. I think it was the 5th or this... No, it'll be Monday then. It kicks off this week, basically. Um, So if you live near an Apple store and you have a kid who may enjoy a coding session, Apple are available. Seems like a cool thing to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the podcast Slowburn has been recognized as Apple's podcast show of the year which is uh, congrats to them. Uh, I believe their topic was the lead up to the ending of Roe v. Wade. I believe it was extremely good. I'll be honest, I didn't listen, but hey, got an award. Um, A whole bunch of people are going to be happy because SwiftKey is back on the iPhone, even though Apple sort of kind of Sherlocked it. It turns out that the actual SwiftKey implementation is still of interest to people and they have returned to the store, which is nice. And 
Finally, I've just sort of realised, having done these show notes for a couple of months now, that Beats really like doing special editions of their headphones. So we have another two this month. Um, a fun Duotone Powerbeats Pro. Um, I don't even remember what that was in honour of, but they were pretty. And then a Japanese fashion house called Weko Maria have revealed actually really kind of cool looking Beats Flexes. Um, so... I guess it's a thing where you don't just buy ordinary headphones. You buy headphones with a cool pattern and you make the patterns limited for a limited amount of time and then you can charge more, I guess. I guess it's like the Apple Watch band of headphones. Yeah, why not? Why not have some headphones that none of your friends can get? Yeah. and I mean, I do, it's I, fashion. Yeah, and I I can't get on a high horse because I think I own 20 Apple Watch bands. I have one arm. And I have one Apple Watch. Why do I need 20 I know, bands? But I don't know, but I I bought some that I don't use anymore, but I still have several that I do cycle between, and sometimes it's nice just to change it up, have a different color. Oh, I, I spend like far it. too much time every morning. Oh, yeah, I adore them. <laughs> I spend far too much time every morning deciding what will go best with this jumper. It's, it's ridiculous, but I guess I guess I need to make <laughs> one stereotype of being a gay guy. I hate pink. I, yeah, I don't do any of the other stereotypes, but yeah, okay, I do... Completely over-accessorized with my Apple Watch. Anyway. Scott, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here to help us digest this month's worth of Apple news. Um, Do you want to remind our listeners that since you were on last month, I guess most of them will know. But anyway, remind our listeners anyway where they can find more of your great work. Okay. I have a website, scottwilsey.com, and I have a podcast, Friends with Brews. That's B-R-E-W-S friendswithbruce.com and then I haven't been using Twitter so find me on Mastodon Scott A-W at A-P-P-D-O-T dot as in a period N-E-T so app dot and then a real dot and then net it's a little confusing if you go to that's an interesting one it is yeah so what it is is it's a server that was set up for and by people who used to be on app.net. It was a bunch of people that knew each other from the app.net days. But the way the way the domain was split up is a little little weird. But yeah, that's that's how it works out. So anyway, um, so I'm there. And then Friends with Bruce has a has a Mastodon account also that you can find a link to on their friendswithbruce.com website. Yeah, I didn't so, have to go find it because it followed me today, and I just followed it right. It back. did, yes. Yeah, I just created it today. So it's that's that's actually it's very interesting to rediscover your circle of friends and a whole new and a whole new thing. And my 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 followers are now all Mac cool people and photography cool people and no 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 junk. Because I yeah. was on Twitter very early. Yeah, <laughs> I've picked up. I made a lot of bad decisions on who to follow on Twitter. I'm having great fun now on Mastodon now that it's all fresh and new, at least for a while. For um, now. I should I should actually do one for the show. I only have one for me, the person. I should do one for the show too. And I should update my website to include links to these things, shouldn't I? Yeah, that's something for tomorrow. I really should do that though, because I, I wasn't sure if I'd hang around on Mastodon, but no, I'm going to hang around on Mastodon. This whole federated idea sits very well with me as a model. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm in two minds as to whether or not I should run my own server. Because I'd quite like to be, you know, bart at bushots.ie or something like that. Yeah, I think if you ran it for yourself and maybe a couple of your friends or whatever you want to do, I think as long as you kept it small, I don't think it would be that bad. Yeah, I was listening to some stuff on various podcasts. Uh, the, the server software itself, it doesn't have an auto-update feature, so you have to regularly check it out from Git mm-hmm. yourself. So it is a little bit yeah. of homework to run your own server. 
But if someone gives me an excuse to, I don't know, if I, if I go home for Christmas and the family were like, God, I wish you had a server, I'd probably do it. <laughs> I, I Does that, is that something that your family seems likely to do is say, why don't you have a Mastodon server, Bert? Uh, it's not entirely impossible in our family, to be honest. Um, we do wow. have an Office 365 subscription, a corporate one for our family. So that gives uh-huh. you some idea of the, what the Bushots are like. There you go. Um, so it's it's not impossible, but no, it, I think it's probably more likely it'll be someone in the podcasting community or some. I, yeah. It is not entirely impossible that I'll end up running a Mastodon server at some stage. Maybe just to see what it's like. I do these mm-hmm. things and then I regret it afterwards. But, I, you know, hey, it's new. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you will find detailed show notes for this month's show at let's-talk.ie. Basically, you're going to find links there to all of the stories that unfold my thinking on this month's rather strange collection of news. While you're there, there's a big banner called Support the Show. A giant big thank you to everyone who does or ever has supported the show. You may notice this show has zero advertisers. This show has zero sponsors. Because this show is 100% listener supported. You guys make the show break even. All I ever wanted was for the show to pay for itself, and it does, and I am eternally grateful to all of you. Um, There is a button there to sign up on Patreon, there is a button there for PayPal, there are also affiliate links, and someone was definitely nice enough to click on the one for DigitalOcean, because I got an email this morning saying, here's $25 of credit. So someone clicked that affiliate link, and half of this month's hosting bill has just vanished into the ether. So whoever you were, thank you very much. Right. With that, I am going to say thank you again, Scott. Um, that does it for another month's worth of Apple News. I've been your host, Bart Bouchard. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, my name is Dave Ginsberg, and I am the host of the In Touch with iOS podcast. We talk about all things Apple, including iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, the news of the day, and related technologies. I am joined by many great guests from the Apple community, including Jeff Gamut, Guy Searle, Kelly Gumat, Chuck Joyner, and many others. Please give us a listen. You can find us in your favorite podcatcher or in touch with the iOS.com.